Welcome to episode 3 of Human Affairs. My name is Jorge Diner and I am a humble servant of Global Society. This podcast is about Davids, Goliaths and business strategies. It's been another eventful week in Middle Earth, that place where we see both paradise and hell, both at the same time. Um, and, you know, many uh, of uh, new followers and fans and people who are listening with this slowly growing audience of this podcast uh, kept asking me about the, the topic of the previous one, the end of geopolitics. And I wanted to go uh, back to an idea developed by Fukuyama in the, in the end of the of the 20th century when he spoke about the end of history. And I think that, you know, when, when he wrote the end of history and he de de developed that idea, he basically was not making a forecast or, or, or making a statement about what has changed forever, but consciously or unconsciously, you know, he was hiding an aspiration, an aspiration to see the end of history, to see the end of ideologies that will make us fight against each other and try to impose one model over the other and saying one model won and there was no liberal democracy, Western capitalism. Um, and I'm not going to speak about that, surprise, but about the end of geopolitics. Uh, that, and, and I want to say that, you know, here I'm making a statement saying it is an aspiration. We are not seeing yet the end of geopolitics. Uh, but it is an aspiration to see that we will move into a into a world where moral values are the the threat that unites us, and not a balance found so that different uh, uh, paradigms coexist with each other uh, in a way that still create endless conflicts among uh, uh, societies, countries, and nations around the world. And, and speaking about the end of geopolitics, uh, there is one thing that also defines geopolitics as well as politics itself, which is the idea that through pragmatism and consensus, we can achieve things together. And I would say that statement is correct. And the question is, but is there a place where you draw a line? Where you draw a line and pragmatism doesn't make us being valueless, uh, something that uh, would define those politicians who are in politics just for the sake of politics and not for the sake of what they want to achieve and what are the values they stand for. And I think that, you know, in the beginning of the, of the uh, Russian in brutal invasion of Ukraine, there was a moment that I think will be remembered as we go through this uh, transformational moment in history. There was a moment when Ukrainian President Zelensky appear uh, uh, in front of the uh, Security Council of the United Nations, of course, on the screen, uh, directly from Ukraine. And, and basically what he did, he was questioning the existence of the Security Council and the United Nations as a place that was supposed to bring peace and stability to the world by finding that kind of balance. But when one of the uh, veto members of the Security Council was actually the one that was disrupting this balance and the one that was breaking the, uh, the, the values behind the creation of the United Nations. There was no and still no resource for this organization to uh, uh, 
to uh, to find uh, uh, to find a solution and to and to bring justice to this uh, incredibly unjust war invasion and uh, uh, as many of us would call it genocide. And and against the backdrop of these terrible images coming this week from Izum in uh, uh, and the mass graves in uh, in Ukraine, we also see in the last uh, uh, in the last uh, few weeks we see an incredible turnaround in the situation in uh, in Ukraine uh, with the counterattack uh, that has uh, made Ukraine uh, win. Uh, thousands of uh, square miles of territory that they had previously lost in the hands of the Russian invaders. And, and this podcast is not going to speak about the politics of this, but it's trying to make sense of this in a way that it will help us better understand the difference that we can make when we define business strategy for our companies, for our organizations, and try to learn, and that's I'm going to, to share my take on this. Try to learn from the analysis that we can do on the reasons why such a powerful superpower, such as Russia, uh, couldn't win the war in two days, as uh, was announced at the beginning of the war. But uh, uh, the opposite, uh, seven months later, we see the underdog uh, uh, at the beginning, in the perception of many, we see it not only regaining territory, but being on the winning uh, edge at this point. Nobody knows what will happen later, and this is a long conflict, and the forecast is it will take much longer for it to end. But at this point, we see that the superpower couldn't win, and the, uh, the smaller power uh, is basically resisting, regaining, and winning. And I think, you know, there are many lessons that we can learn from this that will help those who run companies, those who run organizations, uh, learn from the comparison between the two different models that uh, the two uh, actors in this conflict, the two different models bring into their strategy. And, and, and I will start with the first, first one, which is the difference between a, a, a flexible a strategic implementation against a very rigid tactical plan strategy. And that basically means that, you know, in the Ukrainian side, what we saw is that they had a very clear strategy, but they gave a lot of freedom to the different units to take independent tactical decisions, to give them the, the, the confidence that in certain situations they could take decisions on their own, uh, on the ground. And on the other side, you had a very rigid organization that basically uh, had a plan that was, this is the only thing you do in this situation. Don't improvise because, you know, you risk uh, being punished. And, and I think that is a very big lesson for the way that we all run companies and organizations and the uh, uh, advantage that flexible organizations that understand that at the end, the end result is what matters, but the way we get there has to be flexible on the way. And on the other hand, companies that basically run and, and, 
and managers and, and CEOs and leaders and board members that run organizations saying, this is the way you should go. You should go according to the book and after A comes B. And if you don't reach B, don't go to C. And I think that that flexibility has been an advantage for Ukraine and it's an advantage for many companies, managers and organizations itself. Which also leads to the second point, which is the verticality of the Russian autocracy is a weakness in this war. Generals at the beginning of the war, commanders on the field were afraid of taking any decisions that could have been seen as wrong in Moscow at the headquarters or in whichever bunker uh, Putin uh, uh, remains, if it's not in the, in the Russian capital. And on the other hand, then you have a very, a very horizontal approach by, uh, by Ukraine where power is shared, uh, people were empowered to do things, you had uh, uh, kids uh, uh, teenagers who were sharing their drone knowledge to uh, to support uh, uh, the the campaign and the resistance. You had uh, uh, people all all around the country who were engaged in doing this, and again with a very high degree of flexibility. And the same is for the company, since when you write a script for your employees or write a script from the members of the organization and say this is what you need to do, then you know hands are tight. And, uh, and creativity stops, um, which basically speaks about the difference between uh, uh, a society such as Ukraine that has grown into a free thinking society, and on the other hand, a society that punishes free thinking. And I'm not going to go into detail because you know, I think Russian history for the last uh, uh, 20 years uh, uh, says a lot about that. And when you have free thinking, creativity flows and people uh, can bring ideas, and that creativity is what makes an entire difference to be on the winning side against a side that is very stiff and tight, and, and a block that can hardly move unless one bottom is uh, pushed in one single place. And again, you know, that think about the, uh, the feeling of, uh, of coming as a strong power, what I call the Goliath of the story, which in this case is uh, uh, Putin's Russia, um, it, it, it also, uh, it's a disadvantage because when you come with that level of, uh, of, of arrogance and that, uh, thinking that, you know, because you are the strong and you are perceived as being the strong, you have all your cards, cards on your side to win, then, you know, the other side can play the underdog. And, you know, Santa's playing the underdog and not trying to emulate the strong and trying to show I'm also strong like you. Playing the other dawn gives the surprise factor that was a key at the very beginning of the war when Russia tried to invade and attack several places in, in the country, in, in Ukraine, and they, they, were, they, were, uh, they found basically that on the other side. There, were, uh, there was an army that was ready to fight, was ready to give uh, a fight against, uh, against the Russian invasion in very creative ways, as I said before. And the same again. The same is for companies. You don't always have to pretend to be the winner, to be the company that has made a difference, the organization that became the leader, but try to be the underdog and surprise. That surprise factor is a plus in our winning uh, and growth uh, strategy. And, and again, you know, it's about being humble, uh, but at the same time being clear, persistent, and consistent in understanding that at the end you will win, but not necessarily you have to show all your cards. Something that again, it was very clear in the last few weeks when Ukraine, in the, in, since the beginning of this counterattack in the east and the south and the uh, uh, northeast of, of, uh, of Ukraine, 
was basically hiding all information, not sharing anything publicly, waiting for the right moment to make sure that uh, uh, all the surprises they have on the way are not uh, part of their PR. And, uh, and, and this also includes the whole thing about soft power against heavy power. Soft power such as technology that enabled, uh, uh, as I mentioned before, an example of the drones, and you know, the millions of, uh, of Ukrainians who have uh, been part of the cyber war uh, voluntarily against, uh, against the, uh, the Russians in, and the Russian invasion. And, and on the other side, it's a heavy power thinking that convoys of you know, hundreds of tanks will be enough to win a war. And this is like all against new. And the same thing, it's about how we uh, build our business strategies which, you know, the, what worked before not necessarily will work now. And as we develop technology on the way, we also have an advantage. And I'm breathing for a minute because as, as there are two last things I want to, uh, to mention that, again, I think are relevant for the way we look at business strategy at large. Uh, because there are two things that I think define the, the, the winning edge of Ukraine in this conflict with Russia. And is on one side, you have the motivation to live. The uh, individually, collectively, Ukrainian nation and Ukrainians, and all of us who support that, have a motivation to live, to, to, to live, to, to support life, to support the, the broader meaning of, uh, of uh, living, living in coexistence and in peace. And on the other hand, on the other side, you have destructive goals, the destructive goals of uh, uh, destructing something that for whatever, for, for believing that you know, this is the, uh, the, the absolute truth, that, this is, that you, know, uh, uh, you have the right to destroy things in order to achieve any goals. Uh, and, and that's a weakness, uh, because at the end, those who have motivation to live will prevail. Which leads me to the con concluding uh, uh, words and a reason for for this uh, uh, this current situation in Ukraine, and is the the winning edge is always on the side of that one that it's all about love, and those who will lose at the end, they might take many lives on the way. It happens. We just have go back to history. Those who hate and for which hatred for whom. Hatred is the leading light. We are here to bring life and love to this planet and also for the organizations, companies, and the business strategies we develop. If you can bring people to love what they do, then you will have a winning edge over the others, those who want to destroy their competitors, those who want to bring their competitors to the needs. And having said that, I want to thank everybody. Um, this has been uh, an analysis of uh, the current conflict in Ukraine and the implications it has to uh, develop business strategies in the 21st century with everything going around. My name is Jorge Diner. This is Human Affairs podcast number three. And I'll see you uh, and share with you more in our next podcast of human affairs. Thank you and talk to you soon.